0: The title is "Don't Worry, Don't Worry," and um, and how do we begin to live into that? And the, and the the kind of the driving thought has been: what are the promises and practices that begin to help us to deal with the worry and the anxiety and the stress and the fear that we often face, and so often that we face that the people around us don't even see. You know, it is interesting to me personally to recognize in my own life, but I'm sure what's true for me sometimes is also true for you. And that is that we can come to church or get together with friends or whatever the, the, the social setting may be. And, you know, we're smiling and we're our normal personalities, our normal selves, whatever that may look like. And we're shaking hands and God bless, and people are asking how you're doing, and oh yeah, doing well, things are good, and all of that, and, and inside what we're doing is we're masking um, a reality that, that we face when we go home. You know, we get home, and all of a sudden the facade comes off, and we just, we just feel the weight that we just sometimes don't show, that, that sometimes the, the, the toughest stuff that we go through, people just don't see, and sometimes it's because we don't let them. I have, I've shared with you before the story of, of my first time in counseling when a, a counselor just in love but just peeled me like an onion. And one of the things that he called me out on was the fact that he's like, you present a false front. You present something that isn't necessarily authentic to what you're dealing with and what your struggles and insecurities are. And, and that began a kind of our process of working through and some self-reflection there. And, and so, like I said, I, and I know I, I do it, and I imagine that you do it. So, so how do we turn to God's Word? How do we invite the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives to help us in those moments when, when we're feeling that weight? We're feeling the worry. We're, we're, we're overcome by the anxiety. Uh, what does God's word say to us? And what are the practices or the promises and the practices that begin to, to speak into our lives in those moments? And we start with what is the, the anchor text for us? Last week, I read it. This week, I'll read it. Next week, I'll read it. You're going to hear it four weeks in a row. And that's Philippians 4. Philippians um, 4 four, five, six, and seven. And it's Paul's words to the church, but again to, to remind you, if you were here last week, or maybe to to share with you, maybe for the first time, this recognition that Paul writes these words while he's in prison. He's, he's moving toward what will be the end of his life, and, and, and he's chained to a guard, and he's restricted, and he doesn't know what the next day is going to bring, and he, he has no idea what his future is going to look like. And so if anybody has a right to be worried and anxious about their circumstance, it's Paul. If anybody has a right to be, to be um, uh, fearful about what the next day may bring, it's Paul. And yet this is what he writes to the church. This is God's word to us. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. If you were here last week, remember the Lord is near. The whisper, God whispers because he is near to us. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Some translation says be anxious for nothing. And the translation that I use to title the sermon series says this. That verse right there, verse 6, don't fret or worry. Don't fret or worry about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and our minds and and our spirits in these moments. And help us to to face our fears and, and our anxiety and our worry. But to do it through faith. And that your word would would shape us in a way that that strengthens us. And so open our hearts in these moments to what you would speak into our lives. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let me start by reiterating something that I said last week, and that is that that anxiety and worry is not a sin. It's not indicative of, of a weak faith. It's not indicative of a disobedience to God. It is part of our human experience. Jesus felt anxiety. And we know he did because we have the, the account of that on the night on which um, before he was crucified. When he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the scriptures tell us he falls down before, the, before God. And it says that he was sweating drops of blood. That, that, is, that is physically possible. And it is indicative of an incredible level of stress which is completely understandable. Jesus was fully human. If he wasn't stressed in that moment, then he it would have denied his humanity. So so we're not talking about um, a, a, a sin here. But, but for us, I think anxiety isn't a sin, it becomes a signal. It's, it's a signal. You know those lights on our cars that light up and go red that say, check engine? You know? The lights that tell us that there's something going on we need to look deeper into. The lights that says that if you're smart, you will go and get this checked out. And I say that mocking myself. Because when Tony and I moved here in 2010, we had a white um, Toyota Sienna minivan that we had until just a, really what, four or five years ago. I don't know. We had it for a long time. And um, it, we, we probably had it for 12 years. And I think about halfway through its life, about the six-year mark, the check engine light came on. And it stayed on for the, last, the next six years of the life. We, we never actually got it looked at. Um, we just we went on faith that it would be okay. I don't recommend that. Uh, and, and I think that, that if, we, if we understand anxiety as a, as a signal, I think sometimes that's what we do. That, that signal, we just kind of ignore it. We hope it will, it will go away. We we'll hope that it will just take care of itself. Sometimes maybe it does. But the idea behind it is it's meant to tell the responsible, intelligent car owner, and again, poking fun at me, not any of you, that something needs to be looked into. There's something possibly going on that needs to be addressed. I think for us, anxiety and, and worry becomes that kind of a, a signal that, that we need to be attentive to what's going on in our lives. And there's a lot of ways. I mean, if we look at at worry and and anxiety holistically, we recognize there's a lot of healthy, um, appropriate ways to deal with that. There's counseling, seeing a professional that helps us process and work through that. I I think that's important. I think that's valuable. Um, There is sometimes medical attention. Sometimes things need to be addressed physically through medication, sometimes through... um, uh, through practices of diet and exercise. I mean, there's there's any numbers of reasons for anxiety in our lives, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And all of those are appropriate, but those really are, are specific to the circumstance. They may be specific to you, and they're not areas that I'm um, qualified or equipped to necessarily speak into. But I do think there is a universal truth. I think there is a universal practice, regardless of our our situation that that we can all apply into the anxiety and the worry of our lives. It's the spiritual practice that we focus on this morning, and that is the invitation that God gives us to turn to prayer. Rejoice in all things. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, again, last week, whispering our name. But in all things, by prayer... And petition. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your requests to God. Paul gives a a universal invitation. That we have reiterated throughout scriptures. That invites us in those moments. To come to God in prayer. To take it to the Lord. Because I think the first principle here for us is that prayer reorients us it redirects us if you will too often we become paralyzed in the face of the mountain whatever that mountain may be we become paralyzed because we just fixate on it i i do this i fixate on the problem i fixate on the source of the stress i fixate on the source of of whatever is creating the anxiety and worry in me. And that's where I'm faced. I believe the invitation that God gives us is not a denial. It's not turn away as if it doesn't exist. It's not turn away because if you bury your head in the sand, it will go away. But it is an invitation to reorient away from the mountain toward the one who is able to move the mountain. To the one who is at work so that we can overcome the mountain. So the one that helps us face the mountain. It becomes an invitation into this um, opportunity to come to God in prayer. To bring it to God in prayer because God becomes the source of our strength. And because God cares. You know, one of the great lessons that my mother taught me. One of the great lessons she taught me, that if it's big enough to worry about, if it's important enough to worry about, it's important enough to pray about. And that meant anything. Anything. She taught me that lesson. Things that, that would seem silly, that it would seem insignificant, she taught me to pray about. I've told that story before years ago that when I was a kid, just a little guy, and I, I lost a harmonica. And it was stressing me out. I didn't even play a harmonica. But I had one. I had one. And I wanted to find it. Because I'm sure in my mind I was going to learn to play it. I couldn't find it anywhere. And you know, for a six and seven year old, that's a big deal. And I remember she pulled me aside. She said, Chris, let's pray about it. And we prayed about finding a harmonica. And you think, man, it's a harmonica. But it taught me a lesson. I don't even remember if we found the harmonica. (laughs) But I remember the moment. I remember because it said that if it mattered to me, it it mattered to God. And I could take it to God in prayer. And, And that was okay because it reoriented me. It reorients us. In all things, Paul says, by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, make your requests to God. So... God invites us this because I believe it's a a reorientation. And also because prayer is relational. It's reorienting and it's relational. God uses prayer and connects to us in prayer as a reminder of of God's presence with us. As a reminder of of the one who who is near. You know that... I think one of the challenges is, so often, and in fact, my years of, of ministry and conversation have taught me this, that when I say this, that, that God invites us to prayer, when I say to you that you need and I need to go to God in prayer, that, that at least in a few minds out there today, in a few of your minds right now, is this thought, but I don't know how to pray, right? I, I, I don't know how to pray. I have this conversation all the time with people. Say, I, I don't know how to pray, and part of that is because we've created a model for prayer based on what we see in, in corporate worship or corporate gatherings and, and what we see by people who get up in front and pray. And that is, very often, the people that are comfortable praying um, publicly and in front of folks usually are, are articulate with the words, not always, but um, sometimes can be very articulate with the words that they speak. I mean, you've heard people pray before. I've heard people pray. And I'm like, wow, that was a prayer. You know, the people that can pull the scriptures right off the top, the ones that if they really want to get close to God, they speak in King James English. Thou knowest me, lordeth, um, mightieth, godeth, you know, that kind of stuff. But but the, you know the point I'm getting at the people that just oh my gosh they're just so good I feel intimidated. In the, there are people out here in each service I'm telling you that could get up and pray better than I do it hands down because I've heard them pray and I'm like wow I'm not very good at all compared to that and 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 I know and I know if I feel it I'm not the only one because I know you guys are going well gosh he does this all the time but but my point is we've created this. This idea that that prayer so often has to be kind of fluid and flowery and 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 articulate and has this flow and all of those things are good. They're gifts. If that's a gift you have, that's wonderful. That is that is great. But a prayer's conversation. And, and I think what happens is people, I don't know the formula. I don't know the words. What words do I start? How do I end? Do I end in Jesus' name? Do I end in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? We create these kind of expectations that we have to have a pattern down. And, and patterns and, and practices of prayer and, and models of prayer, those can all be incredibly helpful. But not one of them is absolutely necessary. Prayer is conversation. You talk to God. In fact, the, the, the translation, the NIV, the New International Version, which is what I use almost always in our translations that we read from, in the scriptures we read, says, present your requests to God, which is incredibly formal sounding. I think it's a little formal. Some of the translations say it like this. Let God know your concerns. Let God know your needs. And I like that a little bit because I think it's just a little more um, common. Just just tell God what's on your heart. God has uniquely made you. God's created you. You are invited to have authentic, real, raw conversations with God at any point, at any time. In whatever way, whether you want to sing it, whether you want to write it, whether you want to pray it, whether you want to shout it, sometimes you want to yell it. And you know what? God can take your anger too. I will tell you, one of the most powerful prayer times I ever had was sitting at a dock at Lake Hollinsworth in Lakeland, Florida when my mom was battling cancer and telling God how ticked off I was and I was not that nice in the language I used. God can take that kind of prayer. God reminded me of his presence, even in the midst of my anger over what was going on. So so whatever it is, because God's created you for the relationship. Prayer is, is relational, so pray. I'll tell you one thing: I pray all the time. But, but if you were, you know, had a, an eye in the sky and was watching me in the course of a day, most of the time you'd have no idea. There are moments of, of the discipline of prayer, of quiet, reflective prayer. But a lot of times my conversations with God are my prayers. And, and, and I will, I, I'm in prayer before I come up to preach. I'm, I'm, Lord. This time is yours, Lord. What is speak through me? Let something of value be said through your Holy Spirit. I pray when I'm driving, because I'm out there with a lot of you. I pray. (laughs) Uh, You know, I pray when I'm doing activities. Just it's it's not flowery. It's not articulate. It's just, Lord, be here. Be here. Speak help me hear, whatever it may be. It's just a, a, an ongoing dialogue with, with God. And so that's what, what prayer is. The, you know, in those moments when we feel the anxiety and we feel the worry, God invites us to prayer. This, this was in my mind this morning. We, Tony and I at 545, we, uh, we said goodbye to Ryan. He's on the road. You want to pray, pray for Ryan. He's driving to Tennessee this morning. And um, and, and we were laughing on a totally side note. We have a, we have a ritual in our family when we, we leave and drive to, uh, to Tennessee. We usually leave at about 5 a.m. Because you have to time leaving parish with arrival in Atlanta. And so if you do it at about 5, you get to Atlanta about noon. And that gives you as good a shot as you're ever going to have, other than maybe 2 a.m. of getting through Atlanta. So that always puts us in Lake City at about 8 o'clock. Eight, eight thirty, somewhere in that ballpark. That's always the breakfast stop. We always, every time we go, we stop at one place every single trip. Whether it's me, Tony, Ryan, we always stop at Lake City and we go to Chick-fil-A. Because it's a holy place. We go to Chick-fil-A. So Ryan this morning just stopped and he went, Ugh. I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I can't stop at Chick-fil-A. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to start a new ritual jangles. it is so um so he's on the road now all of that had nothing to do with where I was going um but here's here's what we did we we pray together and, and we you know hug and and say goodbye and he leaves and I went back in the office and I just prayed because I feel anxiety there's there's concern that's that's my kid that's our kid and, and he's responsible, but he's driving. We want him to get there safe. We want the semester to be good. And, of course, I've got this sermon ringing in my ear. So, you know, it's fresh. So I'm like, okay, put the practice, put your words into practice. So I sat and I, and I prayed. And I prayed, and, and it helps me to, to not face... The mountain, but face the mover of the mountains. To face the one who promises to be present. And you do it you do in whatever language, whatever way, whatever style is authentic and real to you. Because God is a father who loves us in the perfect love of a parent. And creates us to our kids. You have, if you have kids or grandkids, you know that they're unique. The way that they communicate with you, the way that they bring their needs to you are unique according to who they are. You know, it's, it's funny, when Ryan's away at school, if he has a need, if there's something that, that, that is on his mind or something that he needs to talk to us about, he calls, and you have long conversations with Ryan. Tony and I, I mean, it's, it's not five-minute phone calls, because Ryan, he, he kind of, he, he unpacks everything that he's feeling. He unpacks everything that he's carrying. He tells the story in detail, so much so that every once in a while I have to go, okay, Ryan. Move along, we got it. We got. It. I, I got a meeting. You know, I've, I try not to do that because I want him to be free to not feel like I am ever rushing him. But but that's that's Ryan. That's the way that he processes. That's the way that he communicates with us as, as his parents. Now Cassie, Cassie. Now now here's the thing with Cassidy. I can talk about him because neither of them are going to be here today. So, <laughs> Cassie's the one that if you're with her, she talks. Right? I mean, she. She stops talking to take a breath, and then she keeps talking. And when she gets together with her friends at college, I don't know, if you breathe, the friend takes over. That's how you lose your conversation flow. But when she needs something, you know what she does? She texts in as short a way as possible. I mean, just gets right to the point so that we can just give her a yes and no. I mean, it's just amazing how she will communicate in that way, in that way. Now, she'll also call and talk. I don't, I don't mean to say that she doesn't. But they're very, very different. They're very unique in how they present their requests and how they, they interact in the relationship. On Friday, before Ryan, obviously Ryan was still here. So Friday, we're at around the house, and Ryan says to me, said, Dad, what do we have for lunch? And I'm like, I don't know. Look. You know, he comes back. He's like, Dad, we don't have much. He's like, What if I, I'm going to run to Publix and I'm going to get some sushi? Do you want some sushi? I'll bring you some sushi. I'm like, Sure. Sounds good. He's like, Okay. So he gets his stuff together and he's walking out the door. He goes, Oh, by the way, Dad, can I use your credit card? I'm like, sucker. Sucker. I'm the sucker. So of course, yes. so, so he worked that, and, and because he knows how to play the game with his, with his old man. Cassie, last night last night we're, in, we're at Lakeland. We're in Florida Southern uh, for a basketball game, and she's cheering. And so afterward we're saying goodbye, and she's getting ready to go out with her friends. It's about 9: 9, 30. And she's like, um, "We're going to run through, I don't know, Taco Bell or some place there. I don't know where they were going to go, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-a." Never mind. they were going to run through Chick-fil-A <laughs> and grab something to, to eat. And she said, can I use the credit card? And she said, okay, yes, you can use the credit card. And then five minutes later, we get a phone call. Um, hey, um, we've decided we're not going to go to Chick-fil-A. We're going to Applebee's. <laughs> now, she's already gotten the approval on the credit card. She just changed the sum. Now, here's my point. Here's my point. Besides just kind of having a little fun with them. That's, that's who they are. That's the way that they interact with their parents. And I love it that they need us. I love to be needed by my kids. How much more does God long for us to cry to him? To to come with the the child. And and whatever is authentic, whatever is real, present your needs. Make your needs known. Lift your concerns. You're not telling God anything God doesn't know. But you're being reoriented. And you're being connected in the relationship with God. That's that's part of the power of the invitation. Peter talks about this in his epistle. Uh, You know, we've talked about what Paul writes. Well Peter writes in 1 Peter um, chapter 5 verses 6 and 7. This is what he says. Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Now I want you to just mentally bookmark that thought under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Because we're going to come back to that, remembering who wrote it. Verse 7, cast all your anxi- anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxiety. Let it go. Release it to the God who, who cares for you. Be honest and reflective about that because the reality is we are all dealing with the stuff that weighs us and burdens us and that we struggle with and worries us. Uh, it's part of the rhythm and, and we find ourselves in different places. But, but I do every week. And, and, and when I talk about my circumstances, it's not to say that my life is any harder than yours. It's just different. We all, we all have our stuff, but every week I carry a burden. Every week there is an anxiety that's on me. And it's centered around these three hours of worship. It's centered around this moment right here, every week, that I stand up here and pray that God will have given me something to say to you. Because the scriptures, the rhythm, you know, it's it's the same. It's trying to find creative ways to, to tell the story of God. I mean, you know what? Every Easter the tomb is empty. Every Christmas the virgin has given birth. You know, I mean, the, the stories and the foundations of our faith, you can never exhaust God's word. I don't mean for a second that we can never exhaust the wealth of what God pours into it. But, it, but we can sometimes exhaust my ability to find creative ways to share it. And that, that becomes the weight that I carry. One of the things of, of ministry. I, I was thinking about the Greek um, myth around um, Sisyphus. Remember the story of Sisyphus? Who was punished by the gods for his trickery. And he was made every day an eternity to push the boulder up the hill. Right? Every day he's got to push the boulder up the hill. And he gets to the top of the hill. And what happens? Rolls back down. This This is one of my hills. Every Sunday at 1215 or thereabouts, I exhale. Because in that moment, it feels like the boulders at the top of the hill. And then I wake up on Monday morning, and the stupid thing's back at the bottom. And I push it back up again. Now, does that make my life any harder than yours or more? No. uh -uh. Uh-uh. Not even a slight bit. just makes it different. just makes my challenges maybe different than yours. Peter says, cast your anxieties upon him. Humble yourself. Cast your anxieties. And and he kind of sandwiches in there that that the mighty hand may lift you up. Now, now think about that. Think about Peter. Because Peter knew that hand in a way very unique to his walk with Jesus. If if you're familiar, if you remember Matthew chapter 14, Jesus had been teaching, and and at the end of the day, he sends the disciples onto the Sea of Galilee. Sends them out in the boat, and he goes off to pray. And when they're out there, the weather starts to get a little dicey. And Matthew 14 tells us that the disciples looked out on the water and who do they see walking on the water? They see Jesus. And Peter, because he's Peter, says, if you are Jesus, if, this, if what I'm seeing is real, invite me out. Let me get on the water. And what does Jesus say? He says, come on. <laughs> Step out. Peter does. And he's oriented toward Jesus. And what does the scripture say Peter does? He walks on the water when he's oriented to Jesus. But then, the scriptures say, but then he saw the wind and the rain. Then he saw the thing that worried him. Then he saw the thing that scared him. Then he saw the thing that caused anxiety. And the scriptures say, and you were just mad. Down he goes. And all of a sudden, the hand of Jesus lifts him up. Now, see, what we would expect is Jesus to look at him and go, you big dummy, you know. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't say that, we would. But he doesn't. He does not He lifts him up. He lifts him up. He takes his hand. So when Peter says, later in 1 Peter, when he writes, humble yourself, humble yourself, that you may take the mighty hand of God that lifts you up. You think maybe he knew firsthand, he was thinking firsthand about what that feels like? That's what Jesus invites us to. That's the the invitation of God. And and here's the thing, in order to take the hand, you've got to let go. You've got to let go of something. You know, when I walk around and, and we're shaking hands on a Sunday morning, every once in a while, as will happen to any of us, I'll catch somebody and I'll extend a hand and they'll have something in the hand, right? And what do you got to do? You got to empty the hand. You got to put something down. You got to transfer something. So your hand is free to take the hand of another. Well, what does Jesus invite us to? To, to let go, to cast the care, to cast, to, to let go of those things that worry so that we can take the hand of the one who lifts us up. It's never that the hand isn't extended. In fact, if you're close enough to hear the whisper of God, God is near. If you're close enough to hear the whisper of God, you're close enough to take the hand of God. But often we have to let go. I think what happens is there's a cycle of anxiety that we fall into. And that is that we start to get worried. We try to control, right? We try to control the circumstance, the situation. We work harder. We do more. We, we, we engage. We, we try to, to manage it. And when we do, the anxiety only ramps up. And the more it ramps up, the harder we try to control it. And the cycle just continues. Well, see, the thing is, there are, you don't always have the power to control. I don't always have the power to control, but I always have the power to surrender. I always have the power to let it go and take the hand of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're invited to, to allow God to break that cycle, to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. It doesn't magically make the problems and the challenges go away. But it opens us up to the power of the one who allows us to face that challenge with faith. And with the promise of, of presence and strength. It's the promises and the practices of our faith that allow us to live into Paul's words. Rejoice in all things again again. I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Be anxious about nothing. The Lord is near. Don't worry. Don't fret. The Lord is near. And so in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your heart, let God know. Bring it to God. Share your concerns. Share your struggles. Bring it to God so that The peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We do it so that God can give us what only God can, a peace that is beyond understanding. Brothers and sisters, remember, as you face whatever the worry, whatever the anxiety, whatever the fear, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And the power of God is present. Turn in prayer. Turn to prayer. And let God. Not the mountain guide you, but the strength of the one who is able to move the mountain. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, that we would live into this practice in faithfulness and, and, and obedience, but, but that we would be strengthened by your presence. We all face our stuff, or that's part of our human experience, but we don't face it alone. So Lord, help us again to remember that you are near and that when we turn to you in prayer, your hand lifts us, lifts us, strengthens us, and allows us to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Help us to live into this faithfully and obediently. We pray in Christ Jesus' name, amen.